Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Today, as we go to God's holy and inspired word, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, There is a place for you here. Pray with me. God, thank you for allowing us a place. God, I pray now as we look to your word that you would speak to us by your spirit, God, I ask that you would anoint me to say things that would glorify you, that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray you'd give us ears to hear what you have to say to us today. Sink this message deep in our spirit, God. Teach us what you would have us to know from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I, let me start off by saying this to you this morning. God wants you to be here today. You say, well, how can you be so sure about that? The fact that you're here lets me know that God wants you to be here. The Bible says that the smallest bird doesn't fall from the sky without God's design surrounding it. So I want you to go ahead and and, and just smile even in your mind that you are in the place God wants you to be today. Now, you haven't always been able to say that. Maybe you thought you could always. Well, let me not speak for everybody. I haven't always been able to say that God wanted me to be in the place I was. But I I know God wants you to be here because I prayed that God would send the people here that needed to be here. But not only does God want you here, there is a place for you here. You're, You're welcome here. You're wanted here. This is a place where you can find love, acceptance, brotherhood, sisterhood. This is a place where you can grow in Christ. And we're going to look at some things this morning that I believe all of us need to hear. But I want you to know, uh, wherever you are, whatever place you find yourself in life, there is a place for you here. I'm going to talk fast, move fast, you listen fast. In our opening text, Ephesians 4.15, the Bible says, instead, comma. Now, I'm going to be a little teachy because I want you to get this beyond just hearing it. I want you to get it down on the inside. I always tell you when I'm teaching the Bible, and anytime you're reading any literature, you should pay attention to the punctuation. Pay attention to the punctuation when you read. It'll help you to comprehend more about what you're reading. But when you see that comma, that's cause for pause. He says, instead. Instead of what? Instead of what he was just talking about, that is a lesson for another time. But he's saying instead of doing that, we should do something different. He said instead of that, we, now when the Bible says we, it's primarily speaking to who? 
Christians, when, when you read we in the Bible, not all the time, but most of the time, if the Bible says we and us, it's talking to Christians. So if you call yourself saved this morning, this message is for you. And if you're not a Christian, this message can become for you if you just get saved. He says we, people who are saved, will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, I want to break this down a little bit so we can digest it this morning. He starts off by saying that we should speak the truth in love. Now, I see two things here. He says, speak the truth. Now, it's become very popular in today's culture. It's nauseating to me because I see the spirit behind it when people say, well, this is my truth. I need to speak my truth. I'm going to share my truth. I, I, I just have to stand up for my truth. Nowhere in God's word does it tell us to speak our truth. We, are, we, we don't have truth. God has truth. And we're commanded to speak the truth. And this is the truth. So we've, we've got to learn that it's not always about us. Can you deal with that this morning? Can, can you believe that his truth is better than your truth? His truth is more valuable than his truth? That his way is better than our way? He said to speak the truth if everybody... That, that is so determined to get their words out and speak their truth, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, people say, well, I'm, I'm going to keep speaking truth to power. Okay. Well, that, that's also a catchy little cliche um, ver- a phrase that people love to use when the reality is if you really want to speak truth to power, are you willing to let God's truth speak to you? See, because people love to be outbold and, and, and militant and revolutionary and we're going to charge the mountain. But have you let God charge your heart first? God tells us to speak the truth, but that's just the first part. He, he finishes it with the second part by saying, in love. Say, in love. Now, I know a lot of people that haven't learned what mama and grandmama should have taught you as a child, that it's not just important what you say, but what? How you say it. Now, the the reality is, the, the twist on that today has become, if I don't like how you say it, I'll invalidate everything about you. People have gotten so um, easily offended that they will disregard what you say if you don't say it right. Let me say plainly today that uh, it is more important that you speak the truth. See, that's what's put there first. Remember, we've talked about the, the law of priority listing when it comes to understanding the Bible. It's an easy example. I give it all the time. On the back of a bag of jelly beans, there's an ingredients list. That's just the kind of food I eat. On whatever food you eat, there's an ingredient list on it too. But the number one thing, the first mentioned thing, the, the top listed thing is there listed first. Anybody know why? Because it's the most dominant thing. It's the, mo- it's, it's the priority of what's in that bag. Now, it doesn't take a genius to figure it out. What do you think is, is the top or at the top of the listing on a bag of jelly beans? 
Sure. And when you read things that are listed, not always, but many times, and this is a good rule of interpretation, realize that usually the thing that said first has the priority. Okay, now a lot of people think that it's more important how you say something than what you say. But I want you to understand this morning, it's way more important that you tell the truth than that you just talk in love. A lot of people think that it's more important just to say it the right way than what you say. But the truth has the priority. Now, we're commanded to say it in love, but you would be better off speaking the truth, however it comes out of your mouth, than speaking a lie in love. If I tell you God loves you, and you're like, well, that sounded a little hard. I don't know if he said that in love. Um, if, if, if I said, uh, I want to give you 20 bucks right now, and you're like, well, I don't want to take it from you because that was a little aggressive. You're missing the value. You're missing the priority. If I tell you a lie, if I tell you your breath smells wonderful when it smells like hot garbage, doesn't matter how sweet and lovey I tell you a lie, the truth is the priority. Say truth. But there's also a group of people out there, and I came from a church background that was very strict, a holiness background, a us for and no more background, a we're right and everybody else is wrong. Heaven was made for us and hell's for everybody else background, a background where if you don't like it, you can lump it and I'll give you two. And there are churches like that. They're just like, I don't have to be nice because I'm right. Well, the Bible says to speak the truth in what? In love. But we've got to realize that God's truth is the priority. You need to start speaking what God says. You need to start speaking the truth about what God says because so many times we've got lies in our mind. Many people were raised with wrong uh, teaching, with bad parents that told you you'd never be nothing, that you were stupid and you was ugly. You might have been, but they shouldn't have told you. Plant that wickedness in your head, you never get over that. You, you, you can unugly a little bit and get you some decent clothes. Work out a little bit, whatever you got to do. Uh, but people put these thoughts in, in your head. You, you got to understand that, that God wants you to focus on the truth. I wasn't born uh, to uh, a functioning family. Let me say it that way, just not to embarrass uh, or, or, or to cast aspersions on my family. I was born into a messed up family. I was born into a dysfunctional family, um, and we, it, it put me through a lot as a child. I was taught things that weren't truth. I was told things that weren't truth, and ever since the day I got saved, God has been reprogramming my mind. I want to invite you to let God's Word reprogram your mind and take some of those lies out of your head and some of that hate out of your head and put some of God's truth and some of God's love in your head. Would that be all right for anybody? Uh, in, in, our, in our verse, he says, speak the truth in love. And then the next phrase says, growing in every way more and more like Christ. I we talked about this just a week or so ago that God wants his children to grow and God wants us to look more and more like Jesus. Now, every I, I can't speak for women because never wanted to be one, never going to be one, can't be one. 
Bruce Jenner's still not a woman, and I'm going to keep saying this as long as God gives me breath or until he tells me not to say it anymore. If I was a woman, I'd be flat out mad about Bruce Jenner and Time Magazine. They named this man Woman of the Year. Now, if you, are, if you woke up as a woman any day in your life ever, you've done more womaning than Bruce Jenner will ever do. You should have been the woman of the year. Oh, But I can't speak for women. Uh, I am not a woman and can't be one, never wanted to be one. Uh, well, some, some of y'all, somebody got a, a, a spirit on them right now. You mad about me talking about Bruce? We camp out on that for a minute. But I, I'm... I'm just telling you, I know what it feels like to be a man. I know what it feels like to be a father. I can't speak for women and mothers, but I can speak for men and fathers because I am one. Listen, you really want to see a man uh, feel good? Now, this is only if his child is good looking, okay? (laughs) We set the precedent first. If his child is good looking and... Uh, well, all children are children of the Lord, and they're all good looking. No. Where did you come up with that foolishness? Uh, some animals are good looking, and some are ugly. But as long as the child is reasonably, marginally, halfway good looking, you want to make the man happy, you tell him when somebody else is saying, oh, that boy looks like his mama, and you come in and say, well, I kind of think he looks like his dad." Man just swole up, uh, just, he just got 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Why? Because the father wants the child to look like him. And our heavenly father wants us to look more and more like Jesus. I wonder this morning if you had to be honest, uh, and listen, it's okay to be honest even in church. Uh, if you had to be honest, would you say that you look more like Jesus today than you did last year? Does your life represent Jesus more? Does does who you are look more like who Jesus is right now than it did five years ago, five days ago, five months ago? I've been telling you for years that the Christian life is not as complicated as many people make it out to be. You just got to do more of the right stuff and less of the wrong stuff. Because if you keep doing more of the right stuff and less of the wrong stuff, eventually you're going to realize, wow, my life's looking more and more like God right now. My, I, I'm thinking more and more like God. I'm growing more and more like God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the Bible says, So all of us who have had that veil removed, talking about coming into salvation, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him, listen, as we are changed into His glorious image. For us to become more like Jesus, we have to be changed. You can't keep doing the same old thing and expecting different results. You, you may really, now if you're saved, there's something inside your heart. No matter how far from God you are, no matter how, how struggling you are in your walk, if you're truly saved, there is something on the inside of you that wants to be right with God, that wants to please God, that wants to be the man, the woman that God created you to be. But that can't happen without change. 
So the great thing about the first of a new year is psychologically we have been hardwired from birth to believe it's a new year, I can start over. It's a new year, I can take on some new behavior. It's a new year, I can make some changes. Well, in Christ, we should understand that we have those options every day. The Bible says his mercies are new every day, that we wake up every morning with a truckload of new mercies, and, and we can start over anytime we want to. But we've been psychologically hardwired that at the new year, we can get a new start. I want to tell you right now, the year is new, the decade is new, this day is new. You've got, you can have a new start if you want one, but you've got to change. People don't like change. It's funny. I've done a lot of counseling in almost 40 years of ministry. I've done a lot of counseling. And what I come to find out is people come in and say they want better, but they're not willing to change to get better. They say they want more, but they're not willing to change to get more. They say they, they want Jesus, but they're not willing to live Jesus. And if you are going to be who God wants you to be, you are going to have to be willing, say willing, to change. That's not easy. Change is difficult. Change, change is uncomfortable. That's why a lot of people, hard chargers, uh, high performers, high producers, efficient people get upset when they get in a rut. When they feel like they're not progressing anymore, when they're not making new goals, when they're not making new strides, they feel like being in a rut is a negative thing. I want to tell you, 99% of people live in a rut, and they're cool with it. 99% of people live in a rut, and they don't even care that they're stuck in a rut because they'd rather do that then change. Why? Because change is hard. Change is difficult. Change takes effort. Change takes doing what you haven't done to get what you don't have. Change takes doing more than you've done to get out of the spot that you are. Change takes some uncomfortability. Change takes from moving from one spot to another. They teach pastors in seminary to never even ask someone in an illustration to move from one side of the church. Never ask anybody to move. Don't ask them to slide down. Don't ask them to come closer to the front. Why? Because people are uncomfortable with change. I got a question right there in seminary class. Ain't we here? Ain't, 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 ain't the message about change? We're just all supposed to stay the same? I want to tell you something. I'm excited for change. I'm embracing change. Change for the better. Change to be more like God. Change to be look more like Jesus. Change to grow and to be who God wants me to be. Change into his glorious image. I got today a less than glorious image uh, in the McDonald's drive-through right up the street on 103rd. Less than glorious image. I almost gave back a less than glorious image, but as my, I felt myself about to give back a less than glorious image, I pulled out of the line at McDonald's. And I was right there at the box to order. After sitting for eight minutes for two cars, one not two in front of me, it's a double lane. One in this lane and one in this lane. Eight minutes took me, and I caught less than a glorious image. I guess it's because she noticed I was given less than a glorious image. But I just had my fill. I mean... How hard is it to order McDonald's? I want to give you a, about a 30-second uh, revision 
uh, uh, very accurate of what I sat through. And I kept getting this, this hard eye in the mirror. Uh, and I, I, so I'm sitting there, and I got my window rolled down, and I, I'm ready to eat. And so I hear, yeah, let me get that big breakfast. Okay. And the lady, the lady says, okay, one big breakfast. And she said, hey, yo, what come on that breakfast? There is a picture of it. It's in the top right-hand corner on the picture menu. You don't even have to be able to read. It comes with three pancakes and a bunch of other stuff. Now I, now I don't want pancakes. Oh, how he loves you and me. So, then, how much that sausage McGriddle? You know how much that sausage McGriddle is because there's only three things in the bottom right-hand corner on the dollar menu, and one of them is sausage McGriddle. But then I try to think, well, maybe she's just verifying that this person knows that she only wants to pay a dollar for her sausage McGriddle in case by some means necessary McDonald's has two sausage McGriddles, the real one and the imaginary, you know, other alternate universe sausage McGriddle. And literally about four minutes of what's on this, what that come with, Now nah, I don't want that, let me get this instead. <sighs> then the lady said, will that be all? Uh, well, that's the end of my first order. I'm like, okay, I, I got, <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta go because her side view mirror was seeing my image, and I'm like, I'm feeling less than glorious right now. I, I, I can't. I just can't. I, I can't with some people. Uh, but here's what I want for me. And I'm work, this is what God's working on in me, and I want you to let God work on this in you, is allowing God to use our bodies and our lives to give people a proper image of who he is. So many times people tell me, and they're just telling me in, in talking, and it's, it's, you know, it is what it is. People are like, Pastor, pray for me. I had to give my boss a piece of my mind this week. You sure they're still your boss? Now, it used to be, it used to be you had to make sure, don't, don't quit a job and tell you what? Find another one, right? But, I mean, with the economy we're in right now, everybody wants a job, has got 10 of them. You, you quit your job today, have one by tonight. There's, I mean, there's now hiring signs everywhere, but still, still smart to do. But I, I, I'd say, are you sure they're still your boss after you gave them a piece of your mind? And I want you to know, if you don't get anything out of this message, get this. The world doesn't need a piece of our mind. They need us to share with them the mind of Christ. The world doesn't need to see our emotion on display. The world doesn't need, and, and, and I'm pretty sure that the steam that was coming off the back of my, the top of my head uh, and, and, and the fire through my eyes was like, ma'am, if you ask her one more time what comes on the French toast, What would you like on your French toast? It's French toast. I mean, it don't come with anything. Uh, but so we have work to do. Say work. 
We have work to do so that God can change us into his glorious image. This is why it's so important that you start today in prayer. I started today in prayer. I had glorious prayer time, and even still, after eight minutes of sitting in that McDonald's line and, and hearing for the third time what come on that, uh, I, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm going to have, she's, I, if I don't move now, she's going to hear me sigh, or she's going to see me roll my eyes, so I'm just going to drive across to Burger King. Mind-blowing experience in Burger King today on 103rd Street. Mind-blowing. The line was fast-moving. I walked up. I handed my card. The, the lady greeted me with, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Would you like anything else in your bag? Okay, thank you. Have a beautiful day. And I'm like, you need to go own McDonald's across the street. Uh, but I was not being, even after prayer, even knowing I was coming to preach this message, you're like, you need help, preacher. You do too. But I am pursuing change. Let me ask you this. Are you? Are you pursuing change? Or, or can you recognize that you need to do better, that you need to look more like Jesus? Your family needs to see God in you more. Your community needs to see God in you more. Your church needs to see God in you. You need to see more of God in your own life. God wants to change us into his image. In Ephesians 4.15, uh, back in our text verse, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Listen to this last part who is the head of his body, the church. Now, this, this analogy, this example God gives consistently throughout the Bible that Christians are like a human body. God uses the human body to give an example of what his church should look like. He said that only one person is the head. Who's the head of the body? Jesus is the head of the body. And the scripture in other places goes on to tell us that the body is one, but it has lots of different members. You've got fingers, fingernails, toes. You, you've got uh, some people have hair. No, no hate over here. Some, 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 some people have eyebrows. You know, no hate anywhere. But they're different pieces of the body, but it makes up one body and one head. So this example is constant in the scripture that all the Christians, not just in this local church, but all over the world, make up the body of Christ. If someone says the body of Christ, they're talking about all the Christians everywhere who function as one underneath the headship of Jesus Christ. So get that in, into your system. This is what saved people are. He we, we, we are the body of Christ, the church, the saved people. Not just people who come to church, but people who are the church. See, some people just come to church. Some, some people just show up, but other people um, are the church everywhere they go. If you're truly saved, you're the church everywhere you go. If you're not saved yet, you, you just came to church this morning, but that's okay too. There's a place here for you. In verse 16, the Bible says, He, talking about God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I want to take these phrases, uh, give you a few points on them, and then get to where 
we're going. In the beginning of the verse, the Bible says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. I want you to know, if you're saved, you are part of the body of Christ, and you fit inside the body of Christ. Now, some of you have had bad teaching in your life, and you feel like you don't fit in anywhere. I want to tell you, if you will get saved, if you're truly born again, you fit into the body of Christ. It says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. This next phrase says, as each part does its own special work. Now, let's just say for a minute that we're all saved in here. Anybody believe everybody in this room is saved? Do like this. No. Uh, Anybody believe it's a good thing that people who aren't yet saved come to church on Sunday morning, do like this. It's a great thing. We, we, this church is open for everybody to come. But let's just talk about being uh, the, the Christians in the room first. As Christians, we're part of one body. And it says, as each part does its own special work. So if, if we're just going down the row, then we say, okay, well, then that means Deacon West, part of the body, he has... His own what to do? His own special work. We move over to Eric. Eric's got his own what to do? He's got his own special work to do. Where? Inside the body of Christ. Inside the church. We move over to uh, Elder Jimmy and Nancy. Because they sit so close together, they got to be one. That's just a joke. I'm glad to see uh, husbands and wives loving each other. But they have their own what? Special work to do. Individually, they have a special work. And as a marriage unit, they have a special work to do. But each of us have our own what? Special work to do. You need to understand that there is work for you to do inside the body of Christ. The next phrase, it says, it helps the other parts grow. Now, I want to give you some context clues right now. I'm going to see if you, how good your comprehension is. It starts a new sentence with the word as. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow. What helps the other part grow? Anybody know contextually? Everybody doing their own special work. If you're not doing your special work, you're hurting the growth on everybody else. So I came to take away from you today your argument that I ain't hurting nobody but me. Too many people think, well, nobody even knows what I do in my own house when nobody else is looking. No, you're not just hurting you. You're hurting the entire body because you're hindering other parts from growing because you're not doing your own special work. When you do that, it helps the other part grow. I'm better because of the functioning believers that I surround myself with. Now, it is true what the world will tell you. If you invite unsaved people to church, the number one reason they'll give you for not wanting to go to church, too many hypocrites there. And that's a fact. They're just the church, Churches are filled up with people who do one thing, uh, say one thing, and do the other. But so is every other room in the world. So is every home in the world filled up with people who say one thing and do the other. But the reality is we need to come together. We need to be functioning believers. We need to be believers doing our own special work so we can help each other grow. Now, the trick of the devil, because God is a creator and the devil is an imitator, what God wants to bless you with, the devil wants to mess you up with. So where God wants us to do our part, do our special work to help 
others grow. It's as Mr. C does his own special work. That blesses. That encourages. That motivates me. God has, has given Mr. C a fantastic sense of humor, an outgoing personality, uh, an encourager gift. And as he does that, it helps people grow around him. And we've got to get around. Now, there are plenty of hypocrites. I touched on that a second ago. There are plenty of whack people in church. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about getting, surrounding yourself with functioning Christians, reasonably functioning Christians, uh, people, people who truly love God, because as they are doing what they're supposed to be doing, it's going to help you to grow. Say grow. grow. Then the last part of that says, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If you read this verse contextually, and you ought to study this verse later today, after today, sometime in your life. If you read this verse contextually, you're going to find out that unless you're making up your part in the body, unless you're doing your own special work, you're not helping anyone else grow, and you are preventing the whole body from being healthy and growing and full of love. That I'm not hurting anyone but myself is a lie from the devil. And in reality, when you do and be all that God has called you to do and be, you are not just helping the other parts grow, but you are ensuring that the other parts are healthy and growing and full of love. See, the devil would rather people point fingers at each other and blame other people and live in victim status. You know why? Because if you live in victim status, there's nothing expected of a victim but that everyone should pat them on the head and say, oh, pitiful you, ain't you special? Uh, but if you fall prey to that, then you're not going to do what God has called you to do, which is your own special work, which is fitting inside the body. See, and this is why rebellious people can't ever really work inside the kingdom. Well, I don't think that that's how I would do it if I was in charge. Uh, well, a couple quick points of order there. You're not in charge. And God wants you to be less I-oriented and more He-oriented. So pe people need to get, get their place inside the body, understand that we are all, hear me good, just for a different analogy, we're all spokes in a wheel. But the wheel is important. We're all different parts of the same body, but the health of the body is what's important. Are you doing your own special work? Because if you're not, the whole body will not be healthy, it won't be growing, and it won't be full of love. See, that victim mindset needs to say, well, see, that's what's wrong with that church, the pastor whack. Maybe. But if the pastor was whack, but all the other parts were functioning and doing their own special work and fitting in to their place, then as a part of the body of Christ, even the pastor would become healthy and growing and full. Well, that's what's wrong with the church. It's the, it's the, it's, it's, it's the music. I can't. Well, maybe so. But if everybody who claims to be saved would fit into their role, would be functioning in their role, would be doing their own special work, what it is God has created you for, enabled you to do, gifted you to do, put you on this planet to do, then all those things that people point fingers at, well, I just don't like this, and I do that, and it should be this, and we ought to do the other. If you would come off that, see, because all that is is you putting work on other people because you're not doing your job. 
But if you would come off that and start doing your special work, listen, if everybody in the room, if everybody in this room right now started fitting in and doing your special work, all the whack people would stand out. They'd be like, well, maybe I should be going to food and clothing. Or maybe I should be helping park cars. Maybe I should get involved working in the youth. Or maybe I should be on the praise and worship team. If everybody was doing what they were supposed to do, then there would be a culture that causes people who aren't doing what they're supposed to do to stand out and realize, oh, I'm deficient here. And that's a different mindset than saying, oh, all these people whack and all these people are deficient. No, the reality is if you would get on what you're supposed to be on, then you would be helping everyone else grow and you would be helping everyone else become healthy and full of love. But the title of the sermon is There's a Place for You Here, and there is. If you're a Christian, there is a place for you here. And even if you're not a Christian yet, there's a place for you here too. I'm going to put together some things about this place and we're going to get out of here. Uh, there's a place for you here, uh, title of the message, but there's a place for you to go. Say go. There's a place here for you to go. You got up this morning and you did that. If, if you came with somebody, uh, and especially if, if they're not as punctual as you, you might have had to tell them four or five, 27 times. We got to what? We got to go. It's time to what? It's time to go. Yeah, when, when you left your house, you, hey, you realize there's a place to go. And God has given us this place. God has allowed us not to be renters here, but to be owners here. God has allowed us to have a place where we can call our church. And we have a place here to go. And there's a place that you can go right here every Sunday, every Wednesday. We got a place to go if you want to every night for the next 21 days right here at 7 o'clock, except on Sundays at 6 o'clock. Uh, there's a place for you to go, and the Bible commands us to go to church. I want to help you with some of your unchurch friends, some of your non-church going friends, because I've had so many people tell me, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I know what they're trying to say, so I help them with their verbiage. I said, well, I think what you're trying to say is you think you don't have to go to church to go to heaven, because you, do de you most definitely have to go to church to be a Christian. Because Jesus went to church. And Christian means Christ-like. You can't be a Christian if you're not doing what Jesus did. But the, the Bible commands us to go to church. Church going is not for special times. And it's cool, people that come. I mean, we had so many people here last week on first Sunday of the year. And that was cool. That was awesome. Lots of churches have big Mother's Day uh, attendance, Christmas, Easter. That's all cool. But... You don't need to have church be something you do on occasion. You need to get it in your mind. That's the place I go. And this, this is the place that God has made for us to go. In Hebrews 10, 25, listen to the word of the Lord. And let us, who's us? That's Christians. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are closer to the return of Christ than anybody who ever lived before us. 
Whether Jesus comes back today in 100 years or in 1,000 years from now, we're closer to it than Grandmama was when she was our age because we're further along in the timeline of the history of this planet. So this verse has never been more appropriate to anybody than us. It says, especially now. Especially now what? Don't neglect the meeting. You have a place to go. Be in your place. You have a place to, and people will use any piece of an excuse. Well, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Well, let me ask you this. If you work on Monday and you didn't get a lot of sleep on Sunday night, do you know what you typically do anyhow? You go. If, if you have somewhere to be, if, if you, if you got to be on your job and, well, I think my back's acting up a little bit. Guess what you still do? You go. Uh, I think my headache, my, I, 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 I think my bunions, my, I think my, uh, my sciat, I think my, my cleaning amino. Uh, people are just making stuff up. Why not to go? You have a place to go, and we are commanded not to neglect our meeting together. I, I, I want to uh, congratulate you this morning. You didn't neglect the meeting. You went up and you, you were one of the ones who said, I'm going to go. Some people didn't. They didn't do what God told them to do today. Now, so you did, but let me ask you this. What about next Sunday? Are you going to get up and go to the place that God has for you? Not only are we commanded to go, but I already told you, you can't, you can't be a Christian without going to church. Some people argue with this. Listen, I'm not saying you can't go to heaven you don't have to be in church every time the doors are open to, to get to heaven. But if you want to call yourself a Christian, you must most certainly have to make going to church your regular. In Luke 4.16, the Bible says, And he, talking about Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. It was Jesus' custom. Some translation says, as usual, as was his usual behavior. I want you to know the normal behavior for Jesus was to go to church when it was church day. So let me ask you this. Is it your normal behavior to go to church on church day? If, if it is, that's awesome because you have a place. There's a place for you here to go. If you haven't been going on the regular as Jesus did, there's a place here for you to go. And I want you to start inviting people. I want you, I, now I told y'all for the last year, all, a lot through last year, I told y'all we needed some people to go away, not go to church here. We needed a pruning process. Sometimes you got to trim back the bush so it can bloom properly. Sometimes you got to trim back the, the dead wood so it can grow and be beautiful. But we're in a place right now where you need to be inviting people to church so that they can have a place to go to. And you need, here's the thing, when you come into this place, whether or not everybody sitting around you made you welcome, I want you to know in the house of the Lord, you're welcome here. We're glad you're here. God sees you here. When we sang that song, here am I to worship. God sees you coming to his church to, to hopefully become all that God has 
for you to be, but uh, not only is there a place for you to go there, there, here, there's a place for you to grow here. Say grow. There, there's a place for you to grow. We've looked at some today, a lot over the past weeks, about how much God wants us to grow. But I want to tell you this morning, growing is a process. Growing is a process. Now, I did something on Friday that I had said for years I would never do again. Anybody ever said, I would never? And then you did it? I, I did something on Friday. I said that I wasn't, wasn't going to do again, but uh, my son had been wanting a dog, and we talked about getting a dog for a long time. See, I, I swore. I ain't Dogs ain't supposed to be in no man's house, stinking up my house, tearing up my stuff. And God want me to be humble. Got this dog. Huh? Oh, Lord. We looked at every kind of dog. Rottweiler, or if you're from the ghetto, Rockweiler. There is no C and no K in the word Rottweiler. Got one in Rockweilers. Rock, we looked at Rockweilers. Uh, no, I can't have no 130-pound dog jumping on my stuff. Well, we saw a French Mastiff. I don't even know how to pronounce the name they had on this dog, but it looked like Do, uh, Dog de Borg, uh, but it means French Mastiff. And this thing, I'm like, mm, he slobbers everywhere. I can't have that. I thought, well, you know, my last dog was a great dog, uh, and it was a beagle. But most beagles are retarded, make too much noise, and I just got blessed with that one. I thought I ain't gonna press my luck on these runaway howling dog. So we did look at one, but uh, this place we went had a dog that uh, we just thought, oh my lord! It's just I might get you a picture. Uh, this dog is, is I, they call him a designer dog. You know why they call him designer? So they can charge more. It's a mutt of its, of, uh, it, now they don't call it a mutt. A mutt is anything that's not a pure breed, according to the uh, American Kennel Club. So they won't even register this overpriced dog, but it is a grudel. Right? That's what I said. I saw it, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's a gorgeous dog right there. It is a mix. It's also called a golden doodle, but that's just too crazy. I like groodle. Uh, it is a golden retriever poodle crossbred mutt that cost me a lot of money. How did we get on dogs? Ah. Growing is a process. Now, I have not been asleep much since Friday because I don't believe in anybody peeing in my house unless they know how to use the toilet and flush it. And I'm happy to report that this grudel who is supposed to have the athleticism of a golden retriever and, and the intelligence of a poodle. We're going to find out. It uh, 
happy to report that this Grudel has not uh, done any bad business in my house. Uh, this, this dog is, is basically, hopefully, uh, from day one, house trained. But we've been sitting on the kitchen floor around the clock every time he looked like he wants to do anything. Mm, hey, ha! Ah! I'm like, okay. Took him out at 1.30. Oh, it's 3.45. You got to go again. Oh, here's 5.38. Mm. I didn't even know all these AM numbers were on it. People are like, hey, pastor, you want to meet at 6 tomorrow? Bet, yeah, we can do that. Oh, no, 6 a.m. I ain't got no 6 a.m. on my clock. I, what are you talking? Now I got a 6 a.m. on my clock, and I know that growing is a process. Now the fact that this dog, I stopped counting. I told the elders and deacons this morning. This dog, within the first 24 hours, pooped in my yard six times. I looked that up. Look, Google, that's not true. Uh, no, people think walking their dog pooping in a neighbor's yard is good fertilizer. Because I'm thinking, oh, he's back there. For no, it's toxic. It has parasites that don't die into the grass. They live in the dirt and recrawl back up on your dog and other people's dog and are bad for your grass. Um, but growth is a process. I thank God this dog's already going, doing his business from minute one outside. Uh, he's already been taught how to sit. He's already been taught how to fetch. He can stand up on his back legs. He, he knows a few commands already from day one. But even with him, it's a process. If you ever had kids in your house, and many of us have, uh, that's a process too. Wouldn't it be so much better if you could just, and it all be, all the growing be done. All the growing be done. Some people are like, no, I love that. Oh, yeah, you, you love changing diapers and being up all night long, didn't you? No, you like them hugs and kisses. You get hugs and kisses from grown folk. Let me tell you, growth is a process, and it's not always fun. It takes effort. It takes work. It, there's a place here for you to grow, and I want to tell you something. God put me as the overseer of this church with a willingness to stretch you. Growth involves stretching beyond your comfort zone. And you say, well, how's that different? And most churches, especially mega churches, mega churches aren't trying to get anyone to grow. They're trying to make everyone comfortable so they'll come back and give money. I, I, it's never mattered to me uh, how many people show up. It doesn't matter to me how big the building is. It matters to me, is, are you in your growing process? That's going to require some, some uncomfortable times. I'm going to tell you, this dog's going to get some uncomfortable growth spurts. If he ever acts sideways. Now, fortunately, he hadn't needed any. My kids have had some uncomfortable growing times in their life. Uh, and that always meant the same thing. Go in my bedroom, strip down naked. That's no shirt on, no pants on. I ain't trying to get my belt on nothing but skin that, and lay across. Their growth sometimes is painful. Say painful. If you ever grow quick, which obviously I never did. I maxed out at 5'10", what the Army said. I used to be 5'9 and a half, two broken backs, and a back surgery and a neck surgery. I think I lost the half. I never had... Anybody ever have a growth spurt where they said their bones were hurting? I'm having growing pains. Anybody like that? Okay. Uh, I was going to say tall people. Uh, your brother just raised his hand and said he had growing 
pains. Uh, he's about nine inches shorter than you, and you didn't have growing pains, so you just must have manned up on yours. But I, I believe you. I believe you. He didn't say, you know, excessive growing. But growth can be uncomfortable. And it's a process that continues to be uncomfortable. The United States Army has less than three months to take you from nothing to a soldier in the United States Army. There's a lot of growing that goes on starting at 4.30 in the morning. And most of it is uncomfortable, but it's a growth process. And they understand it doesn't matter if your little feelings get hurt. Do you want to be here? And they'll tell you, we'll put you out. There are people trying to get in the military right now. You, you, you can leave. Uh, but here's my question. If you want to grow in the Lord, are you willing to go through the process? Because you can't just snap your fingers and get there. You can't just snap your fingers. It doesn't happen overnight. I wish it did. I wish we all could be perfect in the Lord. I wish we could say one prayer. And this is why when we started the church, every Every service, I'd have people come down front, and I was pouring oil on everybody, laying them all out. We, we were breaking generational curses, and, and we, we, we were doing all types of uh, theatrics, and uh, people just flopping like fish on the floor everywhere. And then when I realized, this is the seventh time in seven services you've come asking prayer for this same problem. Uh, and then I realized, oh, you don't want to do the work to grow. You just want me to say some magic words on you, and it just happened like that. If you have some behavior that needs to be changed, I would be happy to pray for you, and you should have other believers praying for you, and you should be praying for yourself. But let me tell you something. You're going to have to put some feet to those prayers. And, and, and sometimes your feet get tired, but it's a, it's a process. But there's a place here at this church for you to grow. So many times people subvert their growth by not staying long enough. Now, most people, if not everyone, um, I, I don't, most people went to a different church before they came here. Some never went to church, came here, found the Lord here, but most people went to a different church and came here. So I'm not saying that you have to stay in one church forever, but God don't want you just church hopping. Church hopping has some real negative impacts. It hurts your growth. I said there's a place here for you to go, and there's a place here for you to grow. Listen to what the word of the Lord says in Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. This, this word flourish means to be strong, to be visible, to, to grow, uh, to be mature. Those, the, the way to get to that level of flourishing, the way to get to that level of steady strength, sturdy growth, is to be planted in the house of the Lord. Now, when something is planted, it usually means it's staying if you have someone plant a tree in your yard, some of y'all, I, I remember back in the day, yards used to have real trees. Anybody grow up in America like that? Now they make these subdivisions. The first thing they do, they come in, and, and this is wild. It's crazy. They knock down every tree 
And then they come plant these little baby trees. They could have left the trees that were there. But they knocked down all the trees so they can get their lines straight. And so no trees in the way. And then so they can charge you for, for these little, little baby trees. But when they plant that. Now, when I, when I bought my house, had a, a magnolia tree on this end, magnolia tree on that end. They, they were both shorter than me. Now they're about 40 feet tall and need to be taken out. But that's a different story about magnolia trees and the burden that they can be. But when those trees were planted there, it was, people thought for sure they're just going to stay there forever. And they probably are. I'm not digging them up at this point because you know what happens when you plant a tree and you dig it up? Now, you can do it. It's called transplanting. If you plant a tree and it grows and it grows and it grows, and then you say, you know what, I don't want that tree there anymore. If you just snatch it up and take it and put it somewhere else, it's probably going to die. Even if you do all of the proper work, even if you take all of the precautions, even if you do all the right things to dig around that tree, to get a massive amount of the root ball of that tree, to effectively and safely wrap that, transfer it into the right soil, plant it, water it, fertilize it, give it proper nutrition. It, 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 it might probably more than likely grow, but it's not going to be as glorious as it was before. You, you, you grow a bush in the front of your house, and you're like, I don't want that bush here anymore. I'm going to just snatch it up. And go put it on the side of the house. If you just snatch it up and go put it on the side of the house, it's probably not going to survive. And most people that church hop, they don't leave with great caution. And they don't go with great caution. They just snatch up from where they are and go somewhere else. But the Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord. You need to realize that God has a place for you here to go. God has a place for you here uh, to grow. God has a place that he wants to grow you, strengthen you, build you up. But if you just keep church hopping, if you don't get planted in the house of the Lord, your life is not going to flourish. Some people wonder why other Christians get deep in God and they don't. It's because you're not planting. You pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out. I meet so many people because the boys and I eat out every night. Uh, we don't cook in the house. Uh, which is good because a dog will be smelling food. He's never going to smell food being cooked in my house. Praise the Lord. We go out to eat. So I run into a lot of people. And I, so I ask them. And, and here, here's something you ought to do. Ask them, so where, where are you going to church? That, that is a non-threatening. That, that, that's a lot easier than if you died today, do you think God will let your raggedy behind in heaven? Just a lot less threatening than where are you going to church. And I get this so many times, it just, it, it's crazy. Abundant life. You, you're my pastor. I go to abundant life. I'm pretty bold. And so I tell them, really? Because I don't think I've seen, I had somebody, now I hadn't been, I don't think 2019, but in 2018, we'd been here for four years, and I had somebody in 2018 tell me, uh, tell me that speech, and I'm like, have you been to, to the new church building off Firestone? Oh, no, I hadn't been there yet, but you're my abundant life. If it's been four years, you're not planted. You might still be on the roll. You might still in your mind be calling someplace. You're, that's my 
home church. I have people that pop in and out, and they tell me, and I'm cool with it. You know, do you. It's not going to be effective, but, you know, they tell me, well, uh, my home church is so-and-so, but when I need a word from the Lord, I come here. Pull your plants up, plant it over here. Pull it back up, plant it back down over here. Pull it back up. Plant. All that transplanting is going to cause damage. But the promise of the Bible is those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Our praise and worship leader just left. The Harris family just left. Uh, this this actually our first week, I think, or last week. Which This week? This is our first week without the Harris family uh, here leading our praise and worship. They were here for eight years, and they left one of the few ways somebody can leave a church right, a job transfer. Joyce got transferred to Arizona. Now, Arizona is just too long to drive into church on Sunday morning. That's a three-day drive. I mean, it's kind of hard to keep a job driving back and forth from Arizona to abundant life. So sometimes there, there, there is a mandate to go somewhere else. But this, you don't snatch it up and replant it, snatch it up and replant it. I want you to get in your mind in 2020 that I am going to be planted in the place that God has for me to go because that's the place where God wants me to grow. Not only is there a place for you to go and a place for you to grow, but there's a place here for you to show. Say show. There's a place here for you to show. Now, too many people love to talk, 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 talk. So much so that back when they were writing good songs, um, they, they wrote a song that told the truth about the majority of people on the earth. And my man, whoever his name was, and if Jeff was here, he'd know. Um, but whoever the name of the, the, the singer, the group, the whatever it was, he said, you talk too much. Homeboy, you never shut up. I said, you talk too much. And you never? Y'all don't remember that song, but it was telling the truth. Most people Talk, 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 but talk is cheap. And anybody can talk about it, but you need to be about it and not just talk about it. See, church is a place for you to show, a place for you to show up and show out, a place for you to show some proof to your pudding. Because so many people think that faith is just an intellectual exercise or an internal exercise, but the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I can't see inside your heart to see if your faith is there, but you can show me your faith by the way that you live. You can show me your faith when you get up and you go and you show how much you love God by your actions. James 2.18 says this, but some will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Church is a place where you can show your love for God. Church is a place where you can show your love for other people. Now, you can be sure there are people in the world that do a better job loving humans than they do a loving God. And, and that's sad because they probably don't know how great God is. But there are other people who, if, if their confession, if they were honest, would say, well, it's easier for me to love God who's perfect and never done me wrong than it is for me to love people who stab each other in the back. But the reality is God said you can't love him if you don't love people. 
So church is a place not only for us to show our love for God, but it's a place for us to show our love for people. Listen, listen to what the Bible says in John 13, 35. It's the last verse I'm going to read for you. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In, in, in the King James Version, he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. Do you know what it must do to the people across the street, the people who see us walking in and out of this parking lot? Do you know the heads that it must turn, the, the heads that get scratched, and they wonder, what kind? See, because you can go to a different church, and you won't see this. You, you won't see this. You won't see people come, coming in, walking that are homeless, and, and people driving up in brand-new cars because they got money. You won't see people coming in with college degrees when other people uh, got street degrees. You won't see this where people come in, where white people sit next to black people, black people sit next to white people, Hispanic people sit next to every kind of people. That, that's just not what America is doing. America is, is, is a country that was founded uh, with horrible racism in its heart, and those things continue to exist in our earth today. And this is unusual, and it's so unusual. When we started this church it, with a mandate that it be interracial, when God called me to start this church, I, I told the, 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 the 16 people that started this church with me, that we are going to be a multiracial church. We're going to have, we're gonna have uh, foreign-born people here from every country. We're going to have white people, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, and, and I had somebody ask me, they said, well, I'm not against that, but, but why, why, are, why are you, you know, laying it out that way? Because the Bible says that in heaven, when all of God's people are gathered together, there will be every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue. And we just need to look like heaven. And we started in a place in Middleburg called Clay Hill, a little section of Middleburg. It probably is the, mo it's probably the whitest place in all of North Florida. When I started there, I had a, a demographic search done because that's what they told me to do in seminary. I stopped doing all this seminary stuff a long time ago. Uh, but I had a one-mile, a three-mile, and a five-mile concentric circle drawn of the demographics there. In a one-mile demographic of the corner of Freedom Drive and 218 West in Clay Hill, Middleburg, one mile, it is 99.8% white. Wow, that is stunning. I didn't know there was a place like that. Uh, in three miles, it's 97% white. In five miles, it drops down drastically to 92% white because it picks up one street called Foreman Circle. And if you know anybody that lives on Foreman Circle, please tell them it's not the 50s and they don't have to uh, live in shanties anymore. There's a, there's a, a club on Foreman Circle, it, it also it sells lunch, and it says, goat sandwiches sold here. Now, thank God for them adding diversity in the five-mile radius of 218 and, and Freedom Drive, but uh, do yourself a favor. Don't, don't go on Foreman Circle and order a goat sandwich. 
But when people saw what was happening, I used to have people call me and death threat me because before we started using that building, another church had used it before, and it was an all-white Baptist church, and people started calling me, and people who hadn't even been in that building for, for a decade and said, I used to go to that church, and that's a white church. Who are y'all to bring in all the and, and just go off and see most people you know, reasonable people would hang up on them, but I, I just, you know, I figured, well, I ought to needle them a little bit. I ought to point out how, how evil they are in their intent, so somebody needs to tell them the truth in love. And <laughs> we had members get, get we had members uh, be mistreated. We had people coming to our church there. They had never seen a black person on the corner of Freedom in 218. Um, and we had people say, don't let the sun go down on your black behind in Clay Hill. And I had death threats on my life for being a race traitor, interbreeder. Uh, and people there just hated it. But I rejoiced in it because I knew they're seeing something they've never seen before. God's doing something in front of their eyes that doesn't make sense in their mind. And I want you to know, when we walk in and we walk out, when you come to the place God has for you to go because you know it's the place that God has for you to grow and it's the place that God wants you to show, we are showing this community that red, yellow, black, and white, we're precious in His sight. When we open this food and clothing pantry on Saturday and we feed thousands of people every month, we're showing this community that the love of God is real because I can't hardly argue with lost people. I have lost people tell me a lot, I don't go to church because church is just junk. The church is just about that money. Church ain't doing nothing for the people. Church, and I'm thinking, a lot of them aren't. And that's sad. That's a sad reality. Do you know every church isn't going to feed 1,000 people a week and give away 700 pieces of clothing every week like this church does? But if every church in America would just feed 10 people a week? That's 1% of what we're doing. If every church in, in, in America would just give away six pieces of clothing every week, that's 1% of what we're doing. Think of how it would change. God wants you to be here because of the show out that it gives to him, to us, to the community. You know, so many times people let the devil get them messed up. You go to church, somebody walks by you without saying anything. I've had people say that. Pastor passed me on the sidewalk, he didn't even say anything. Now, you catch the wrong person, they'd be like, I've been going here for nine years. I serve on seven, seven different ministries. He, he ain't never said nothing to me. I don't go here for him. I go here for the Lord. But I, my back is hurting right now so much that it's hard for me to concentrate on what I'm saying. I want to get off my feet. And you go, well, why don't he stand at the door and shake everybody's hand and kiss everybody? It's not a popularity contest, and I don't need your vote. And you shouldn't come here to shake my hand. You should come here because it's a place God has given you to go. You should come here because it's a place God has given you to grow. And you can come here because it's a place where you can show up and show out. You can show your love for God. You can show your love by getting involved, by using your talents. I, I, I could keep going on, but I'm going to cut it off. It, it's a place for you to flow in the gifts that God has given you. It's a place for you to sow your money to invest in God's kingdom principles. But are you willing to get involved in your spiritual growth process. If you are, then you're going to have to do something more because if you want more, 
you got to do more. But I want to close this morning by telling you there's a place for you here. Red, yellow, black, white, young, old, rich, poor. There, there's a place for you here. Church, unchurched, there's a place for you here. If you're unsaved, there's a place for you here that will accept you just as you are. There's a place for you here. I've had people say, why do you think there's so many strange people at Abundant Life? Is that because we got a strange pastor? Maybe. But more than anything, it's because we truly do what God has told us to do. We accept people where they are. You don't have to put on a show. You don't have to put on an act. You don't have to put on a routine for us to love you here. God loves us right where we are. And we, we started this church with a mandate that we're going to love each other in spite of each other. There's a place for you here, unsaved person, a place for you to come in a non-threatening environment and hear about the love of God and learn more about this God that loves you. If you're a Christian, there's a place for you here. You need to get involved. You need to get planted. You need to start growing. You need to get involved. You need to decide, okay, well, this is the place God gave me to go. And I'm going to start growing. And it's going to start showing. Has your faith been showing lately? You need, you need to get in your process. Process requires routine. Process requires doing the right behavior consistently. I want to see you again here next Sunday. I want to see you throughout 2020 getting involved in your process of growing. I want to see you embrace the place that God has given you to grow. To grow in His Word. To grow in love for Him. In love for yourself. In love for your community. To grow in love for His Word that teaches us how to be everything that He's called us to be. There is a place for you here. Sometimes people are going to try to make you think, or you might think in your own mind, well, I've messed up so much, I don't even know if I can go back. Everybody's welcome here. Man, if we stopped letting people come to this church because they had messed up too much, there would be nobody here, even you. This is a place for all people. I was so excited one time. I saw a church on the north side. It, it said, House of Prayer for all people. I'm like, man, that sounds so awesome. I went in. Newsflash. Shocker. It was on the north side. I was the only grain of salt in the building. And I could tell from the looks around they ain't never seen a white kind of person like me. Um, but I pray that, that that is their heart and that, that is their heart for their community. It certainly is our heart for this church. This is a place for all people. And you're welcome here. And you're needed here. We saw earlier that if you're saved, you're part of the body. And you've got to fit into your place and you've got to do your special work so that we all can be healthy and we all can grow. I need you. We need each other. So many times people, well, I don't need anybody. I'm a rock. I'm an island. No, God created us to be in community. And we need to grow together. And we need to do what God has called us to do. Some of you need to step up and get on the praise and worship team. Now's the perfect time. We're putting together a new praise and worship team. Now's the perfect time. Uh, when, when's the next practice? Anybody know? 
Saturday at 3 o'clock. Uh, come out. We're putting together people to just sit and pray in the congregation while the praise and worship team is practicing that God would bless them with unity and anointing. Uh, Saturday at 3, you're welcome. Is it Saturday at 3? Saturday at 3 o'clock, come out. If you can play. Amen. I'm about to get to that. Not, ju not just singers, not, not just worshipers, not just musicians. Now, if you can do any of that, you need to come. Or if you just love to worship God, we'll turn your microphone down. I already told them people in the sound booth, they keep turning my microphone down when I'm singing, I'm going to fire them and we're going to do away with the sound booth. We will turn yours down. You need to get involved. Some of you have gifts and talents. You need to get involved. We, 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 I've said it for years. We, we've got people who have done it in other places, who are good at it, who say they want to do it. We, we, we want to put together a, a performing arts worship team. We want to put together praise and worship dancers, prophetic dancers. We want to put people in, in, in the front of the church that can demonstrate a visual outpouring of God's love. If you want to be involved in that, you need to show up. Saturday at 3. You say, well, I can't be here Saturday at 3. Come the next time, but get involved. Some of you, like kids, some of you uh, wish you had more babies in your house. Listen, go watch a few babies on Sunday morning. I just miss having a baby to hold. There's a place for you. Take one Sunday every six months. Then that way the same three people don't have to do it all year long. Some of you have a heart to say, man, I, I, I'm burdened for this teenage community. I, I hate to see the way our young people are going. Why don't you show up on Wednesday night and go sit upstairs with Elder Keon and, and, and love on these teenagers? You get free pizza. Popeyes, Burger King, something. And you get to make a difference. You get to show that you love God. Get involved in your own spirituality. We are going to grow in 2020 for God's glory. We're going to look more like Him than we've ever looked like Him. We're going to, we're going to represent His image to the world more than we ever have. Don't leave that up to somebody else. You have a place that you fit in, and God has a special work for you. If you've got a heart for some type of ministry, you need to let me know about it. If you see something that you'd, you'd like to do, we had somebody one time say uh, that they wanted to do sign while I preached. That's not easy because I make up words. But they said, so just in case we ever have any hearing impaired people, I said, praise the Lord. Uh, I'll set you up a, 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 a spot up front, and you can do that. That lasted for three weeks, and they stopped. We had people tell me one time that they, they had a quilting uh, ministry in, in their spirit, and they wanted to make quilts and give them away to homeless people. I'm like, that would be perfect. What, what night do you want to come? You can use the church for it. We'll provide a meeting place. You can build them. That lasted for about a year. But if you have a burden for a ministry that you want to do, come let me know. I believe one of the, my, one of the parts of my job as the senior pastor is to identify the gifts in the body and provide you a platform to use your gift. If you want to go into the prisons, into the jails, if you want to go into the streets, into the city, if you want to work with any group, let me know and we will rally together. There is a place for you and you need to be in your place.
Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this place. God, I pray right now, God, for every person in this room. Lord, I pray for those who are unsaved, that you would draw them by your spirit. God, I pray you'd pour out your love on them and let them know that you've made a place for them by going to Calvary and dying for our sins. God, I pray that you would increase our love inside this church for you and for each other. God, I pray that you would strengthen our unity so that the world would know that our God is the true and living God. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray that you'd be glorified this day, this week, this year. God, I thank you for the upcoming fast. Lord, I pray that you would move in my life. Heal me, God. Change me. Strengthen my process is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.